Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Compassionate Friends and the Open to Hope Foundation. And I've got my great co-host on today, daughter Heidi Horsley. So Heidi, um, we have got a really good show today because we've got somebody who's written a wonderful book on uh, about living well despite adversity. And we know a lot of people that are watching this show today have had a tremendous amount of diversity. So this is going to be a great show. You want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Absolutely. And like you said, mom, we, everyone watching has had adversity today and we are going to talk about how do you live well, despite having the adversities that we've all had. Uh, our guest today is Harriet Cabelli and Harriet is a social worker and positive psychology coach. She counsels clients as they cope and grow beyond their grief and painful circumstances. She is one of the coaching experts on WOR Radio, Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, and has appeared on ABC and Fox News as a parenting coach. She is the author of Living Well Despite Adversity, Inspiration for Finding Renewed Meaning and Joy in Your Life. Welcome to the show, Harriet. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me on. How did you get interested in people transcending loss? So that's a great question because... I have a history with that question. It didn't just start with my daughter having her own personal challenges. It goes way back since I was a teenager. So I'm not really sure where that spark came from, but it was really in me since I was like, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. And then I picked up this amazing book that I think is a must read for every human called Man's Search for Meaning. Ended up writing a paper about it in college and then in graduate school. And I, I majored in psychology and I was just always interested in how and just the idea of how some people can have bad things happen to them and, and come out seemingly put together and almost even, shall I dare say, thriving, mm -hmm. smiling and, and carrying on in a positive way, while other people who somehow had far less go wrong could still could be walking around kind of with a bag over their head and feeling bitter, jealous, and in Jewish there's a word for bisina, kind of just... Uh, grouchy and not to judge but I but that that line of you're either bitter or better you know you change that one letter e or i do you become better through it do you become bitter what, what, how do you how do you get through it and then grow through it so that's a theme of my life and that's really what I call it a theme of my life and I've always been a bookie I read tons of books and I love memoirs again how people um, go on and transcend and then I had my own. I had my own challenge. I call it. Not even a surprise when you have your own challenge, isn't it? <laughs> right. Um, my middle daughter was born with disabilities, neurological deficits, and I went through my grief and I ranted and raved in my therapist's office, why me? And all the all the unanswerable questions that we know are, are, are ridiculous to ask because it's a waste of energy, but some of us go down that path. I was one of them. The big why question, I call it. And obviously, there's no answer to it. So I, I, with the help of a great psychologist, he helped me shift from the why, I like to say from the why questions to the how, but the, because the how and the what's are really the answerable ones that we could work with. How do we then move forward? How do we cope? What do we do with what we've been given? And those you could work with. The whys are just a... a an exercise in futility, shall I say. So 
Okay, so fast forward. So then I went, so my daughter was born with disabilities. I went back to grad school. I got a degree in social work. I said, I want to work with parents going through this kind of thing because I was helped so amazingly by a psychologist and a wonderful support group. So you went on to try to find meaning in the loss yourself. Absolutely. And I held on to that man's search for meaning book and I read it religiously once a year or once every other year. And I still do to this day. In fact, they leave book books. I just want to say something about that book because I know people, everybody out there hasn't read it. It also was life changing for me after my brother died. I was only 20 and it absolutely changed my life. Um, what I want to say quickly to people is Man's Search for Meaning is written by Viktor Frankl. And it's a story about how he survived the Holocaust despite watching his entire family and all many, many of his friends perish. So it is his story about how he not only survived, but thrived. And basically how we need to find our why for why we are on this earth, our purpose and our meaning. And if we do that, the everyday how is not going to be as difficult. And it sounds like that is definitely what you have done, Harriet, despite your own adversity. Right. So I, and and it was very conscious. And I am telling you that book really was a guidepost. Okay. So now fast forward. She's 19 years old. The same daughter. Her name is Nava. So she goes through a medical crisis, having nothing to do with her disabilities. She had ulcerative colitis and just without getting into the whole story, she ended up being hospitalized for a year. She was on a respirator for four months. She miraculously survived. She went into rehab for nine months. She miraculously recovered completely. So um, I thought as a mother, I got a second lease on life. Mm-hmm. what do I do with this? And I took a year off from my job. At that time, I was a school social worker. And I returned back to school after she came home after the year-long hospitalization. But I just, it didn't feel right. I just said, what do I do to honor this miracle? You know how when unfortunately people lose family members and they go through negative outcomes and people start organizations, they find their meaning, they they write books, they start foundations. And again, some people don't do those big things, but they transform in inner ways that that possibly are more subtle, but still very powerful. And I said, well, I had a good outcome. I had a positive outcome. I feel I need to do something with that. And what do I do? So it was all churning in me and I had a lot of angst and I'd sit in my board of ed job. No offense to anyone. I found it boring at that point. And I said, I don't know what to do with myself. So I started taking on all these little, I call them little things. I, um, I, I went on a Patch Adams clowning trip. Patch Adams is a doctor who clowns all over the world and has a, an amazing view on holistic medicine. Um, I, we, we puppy raised a dog to then work with someone with disabilities so we were puppy raises for a year and a half, and he actually passed all his tests and went on to work with a little boy in Pennsylvania who has cerebral palsy. So I was really, talk about meaning, I was really looking for, for meaningful things to do with, with my miracle and how to honor it. I attempted a book. The book, uh, I had a collaborative writer, I had an agent, and it got about 39 rejections. And even though we know chicken soup books got about 80, and many books go through many rejections, at that point, my agent said, I think you can put the book down. And because it's a universal and an evergreen theme, maybe you can come back to it sometime in the future. But what I was attempting to do was a memoir of my daughter's year in the hospital. Um, So I put it down, and I said, now what? And I was working in the schools. I said, you know what? I'm going to start a blog. And in my blog, 
it didn't come to me right away, but after a couple months, I said, I know what I want to do. I love stories. I love inspiration. I love books. I want to interview people. I want to interview someone maybe once a month. Let me give it a shot and find people who've had their problems and how have they overcome them? How have they transcended them? So, so Harriet, in the, I know that you've interviewed a lot of people and over the, over all, with all these interviews, have you found themes and patterns that have helped people to live well despite adversities? Absolutely. Many, many themes and patterns. And so what I did was I compiled my 36 interviews and at the end of each interview, I pulled on, I gleaned out some of the themes and just wrote a, a, a short little paragraph or two based on my own, either personal experience or professional expertise. So um, each chapter may have one or two that I extrapolate from. So what are a couple of the themes? So we talk about purpose. So let's get to purpose. You have to have a purpose after going through any adversity. You have to somehow find a meaning and a reason to wake up and go on, whether it's due to an accident that caused you to become paralyzed, that I'd have a couple in here, whether it's unfortunately because someone lost a child, someone lost a parent young, someone um, is overcoming drug addiction, whatever it is. And, and there's 36 interviews and probably 30 different challenges. So I really looked for as I like to say, a diversity of adversities, um, to show that there are themes and there are general ish, general ways. Of course, everyone deals differently, but there are specific, specific and general ways that people hook on to life to help them pull through. And one of them is perfect. We need to figure out a renewed purpose after going through something difficult for two reasons. A, it helps us cope and B, it helps us grow on. Well, and I think you and I and my mother, all of us found purpose in a similar way because, you know, my brother died and my mother's son died and you've had all your, your adversity with your daughter's health problems, et cetera. And all of us decided that we wanted to help other people that had gone through adversity to find hope and to heal because we had been, we had been helped along the way. Absolutely. Well, that is definitely the way I found meaning again. Because I think when you're working with people that have had a death, one of the things that they say is, but Heidi, I don't have any meaning. How am I going to find meaning? My child, my sibling, my, my spouse, they're, they're gone. Right, right. And, and that's the journey. And that's the journey. First, you, you have to go through the grief, the grief work. And that is another big theme in the book is you have to allow yourself that journey. You got to go into the darkness to be able to come out, to find and, and not just find it, but to, to, to be able to hold on to that light. But you first have to allow yourself to go deep in. And a lot of us, and in our pill-popping society, I don't have to tell you, a lot of times we're, we're not allowing ourselves that. We're not giving ourselves that permission. We're, we're numbing and doing all kinds of things because the pain feels so bad. But in the end, it keeps us more stuck. So we need to, get, we need to grieve the work to come through it. And then start to slowly, slowly, slowly pick up the pieces and, and find a renewal. Find a way to integrate the loss, whether it's death or body parts or any type of challenge. One, one man I interviewed is blind and, and the amazing work that he does and people with CP and, 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 and they have speech impediments and yet they become motivational speakers. And, the, and um, one of the amazing themes that comes out is that the human spirit is limitless. You particularly tell one story uh, in your book about someone who was killed by a terrorist. Yes, in Israel. 
Yeah. How did, how did his mother and dad and family deal with that? Well, he was the oldest of four, and he was 13 when he was killed uh, by a terrorist in Israel. And what did they do? They went on after grieving horrifically, and she wrote a book, and they went on speaking all over, talking about helping people. Once again, the help, the help of being a helper, helping others. And now, well, not now, in the last 10 years, they started an amazing organization in Israel for family members of who've been a victim of terrorist attacks, so whether it's kids, parents, grandkids, friends, and they run programs and they run summer camps and they bring in people from all over the world to do clowning, to do dance programs, drama programs, all kinds of things. It's called um, the Colby Mandel Foundation, and it's huge. I mean, I think um, Judy Gold is a comedian here in Manhattan, and I recently heard her speak, and she said how she was just in Israel Mm -hmm. part you know being a comedian for one of their programs well so you so you really interviewed some some high profile people but i'm thinking back to something you said earlier that it can be small things too absolutely so it can't be that every single person starts this major organization or or writes the book or does something big we can transform in smaller ways i mean if i look at myself in terms of so what what do i have to show for it i mean obviously my book at this point is so meaningful to me because it, it's it's the outgrowth of of my theme of life and my daughter's miracle i kind of combine the two because like i said even before i had my daughter i was always interested in that theme so for me it like whoa this all came together and so this is my baby um but it doesn't have to be something so concrete or something so obvious. It could be internal shifts. We could live differently. I mean, I know I do. My, some of my friends think I'm nuts. I mean, I live with a much stronger sense of urgency. I feel like you can never put things off because you don't know when, that, when your time is up. I mean, when I would sit by my daughter's bedside when she was hooked up to every machine in the book and I'd hear every beep and bleep, how could you not realize that our lives all hang by the thinnest thread? And there, but by the grace of God, go I. It could be at any time, at any moment. So I feel like I live much more intentionally and better than and I, I think, before. And I think uh, I was reading some things where you talk about gratitude, too. Yes. And the idea that we need to be conscious of, of the good that we have in our life. And I like to use that visual of the donut, you know, the hole and then the sprinkles and the chocolate and how many of us naturally it's human nature we tend to focus on what we don't have you know that hole in the middle or i wish i had or they have or comparing ourselves with as opposed to looking and saying what are our sprinkles on top and what colors are they and what colors the icing and can we focus on that that's not to be pollyanna-ish and pretending like we don't have problems we do but it's the power of the end and we also have the good so i like that I like that, Harriet. And sometimes when we're having a really bad day, we really need to force ourselves into those places of gratitude. Right. Because sometimes you just feel like there's nothing to be grateful for. So sometimes we have to force ourselves into those places and then you start to slowly feel better. 
Right. And it starts to spread because what do they say? What you focus on expands. Exactly. So that, that exercise of um, writing down three things you're grateful for before you go to sleep or WWW, what's working well. I mean, yep. when my daughter was in, was in the hospital for a year, I actually did that. I mean, what am I going to say at that point? She's on a respirator. But I, I said, thank God she's in one of the best hospitals in New York just by chance because she was taken in as, you know, through the ER. Um, thank God. I remember saying, this is funny. Thank God. My, my youngest daughter who was home with her stepfather, thank God they had a great relationship because what mm -hmm. if I was sleeping at the hospital for a year and they weren't getting along? Right. So like you, sometimes you feel like you have to pull, but again, it's a way of helping us cope, mm -hmm. keeping us above water, so to speak. And well, shifting. shifting. I read, I saw this movie once about finding happiness after loss and they had somebody takes that was not doing well little stickers and put them around their house. And every time they looked at the sticker, they had to intentionally focus on something positive. Right. Yeah. And it shifted the way that they felt. Right. But you, and you know, it actually, gratitude actually changes the brain chemistry. There's yeah. been some re recent research done on that. It isn't just, you know, this is a fun idea. Right. No, it's, it, you can actually change your brain chemistry. Absolutely. Um, this person at a University of Wisconsin, I think his name is Richardson, he's doing a ton of research on the power of gratitude. And Emmons, Dr. Emmons, I mean, there are a lot, a lot about the neuroplasticity or neuroscience, just like with resilience. Resilience they're seeing is not just what we're born with. You mentioned resilience, but it's a skill set. And they're bringing in resiliency curriculum into the schools now the whole piece of social emotional development, that these are things that can be taught. It's not just, well, you're just by nature more resilient. Yeah, there is a piece of genes, of genetic component, absolutely. But having said that, that doesn't mean we still can't bump up little pieces here and there by what we input into our lives. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, show us your book. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful book, Living Well Despite Adversity. Fantastic. And where do we get it? And do you have a website? Yes. So it's on Amazon. If you punch in the title of the book or my name, it will come up on Amazon. And my website is rebuildlifenow.com. Oh, rebuildlifenow.com. That's we wonderful. Rebuild with, with what we've got. Well, before we close the show, have you got a couple of tips for people who are feeling down and having a down day? <laughs> having a down day. There's always tomorrow. There's always another day. We get another chance. And a lot of our well-being is in our control. A lot of it is based on our choice. And again, going back to my man, Viktor Frankl, it's not so much what happens to us. It's how we respond to what happens to us. And yeah. that's the piece we can work on. Because at the end of the day, as Viktor Frankl said, the only thing we really have control over is our attitude. Right. Right. And that's ours to work on. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show today and for being who you, you are because you're a, a wonderful, positive light in this world. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Harriet, I love your energy. It's thank amazing. You. Thanks so much. And thank you for really showing everybody through who you are that despite major adversity, you are living well and you are living your best life. I hope so. I try. <laughs> that's all we can do is try. Exactly. We want to thank everybody for watching this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless.